As most of you know, Carrie Fisher suffered a heart attack on December 23rd on a plane she was returning to Los Angeles from London. Unfortunately, on Tuesday, December 27th, Carrie Fisher passed away at the age of 60. For every Star Wars fan, she will be remembered best as the Take No Lip Princess Leia, but Carrie Fisher did other films, such as The Blues Brothers and When Harry Met Sally. She was also the voice of Angela, the boss of Peter Griffin at the Paul Tuckett Brewery on Family Guy. My longtime guest, James, from the True Believers and myself, were saddened by the news of her passing. 2016 has been cruel, and many will be glad to see it go. We have lost so many over this past year. Gene Wilder, Muhammad Ali, Prince, Arnold Palmer, Debbie Reynolds, Jaja Gabor, Alan Thicke, and Florence Henderson, just to name a few. Although James or myself never met Carrie Fisher, we here at Reggie's Take send our condolences to the family of Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Princess Leia was our princess then, now, and forever. May the Force be with her, as she will be missed, but never forgotten. May she rest in peace. The podcast you're about to listen to was recorded after Star Wars Rogue One came out to theaters, but before the passing of Carrie Fisher. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to Registate.com podcast number 29, The Force is Strong, with Lucasfilm, as they release the first ever standalone movie that in all honesty is a prequel worthy of the name. Rogue One, A Star Wars Story is strong with the Force, as we will give you our opinions and thoughts on the movie. We'll also take a quick look at the movies that we find interesting for 2017 and what stands out for us. Plus, we have a surprise and a final thought that may even leave a tear in your eye as we say goodbye to 2016. Joining me today is my guest from the True Believers, James. Hello. How are you, sir? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. It's been since before Thanksgiving since we did our last one. So yeah, it was it, like it, a week before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So it's it's been a little bit. Small movies come out in, in December, which is kind of starting to become the norm for Lucasfilm. Their their first standalone movie, Rogue One, which is a prequel to the original movie, which is a sequel to the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> Although I yeah, it is a prequel, but it's definitely a spinoff. It's a standalone story but it fits well within the confines of everything else that they've already done it it fits very well within it initial thoughts uh you know what i actually really liked it i liked that it was uh it was different it was a war movie which really the star wars movies have never for the most part haven't been much for actual war movies there's battles right but they never feel like war movies except for yeah, they never do. I was going to say maybe Revenge of the Sith, but even that one really does. Like, it feels more like a post-apocalyptic movie than anything <laughs> with the end of the world. Yeah, the, it's not so much a war as it is uh, It is just a hostile takeover and end of the world on that one. Isn't yeah, it? changing of the guard, so to speak, in, in a bad way. Maybe a little bit on the first two, A New Hope and Empire, but they don't really feel like war movies. Like, there's wars in them, but they feel like action movies. It's hard to explain, but this one definitely felt like a war movie it was a little bit more mature than the typical star wars i liked it a lot i also liked that can we just we're gonna say the spoilers everybody dies at the end and i didn't read anything about it i was like yeah i'll see it there's so many movies i was just like yeah i'll see it when it comes out i do remember thinking well if it takes place before a new hope and it's a spinoff then that means that all these characters are gonna die but then i'm watching the movie and then there seems to be some character development going on with the main girl hero i'm thinking well she might live and then i started thinking you know what this is one of the first nerd action movies where Uh i don't know if the heroes will live or die right and that dawned on me that's actually a pretty big deal because most of these movies you know they're gonna live 
a side character might die, but for the most part, you know they're going to live. Uh-huh. You never think, well, gee, I wonder if wonder if Iron Man will survive this one. You never <laughs> think that. I don't know what's going to happen with Infinity Wars. You might think that about him or Captain America in that movie, but for the most part, you never think that. And it was kind of refreshing to be absolutely in the um, dark. In the dark, yeah, on this movie. I also like that uh, there's not going to be a sequel. They're all dead. Well, technically, there is a sequel, and it's called A New Hope. Well, I mean, I mean, there's not going to be a Rogue One 2. If you wanted to call it a sequel to Rogue One, would be Rogue 2. And even so, that would have to take place right before, really, Return of the Jedi. No. Where, as they said, many Bothans died. Maybe we'll finally get to see what who many Bothans is. Uh, but that would be the only way to do it. And I don't know if Lucasfilm really wants to go down that road again. And I don't think really? they will. Like, but no, I agree. I, I, think, I, 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 I think, think they'll do that. No, No, I don't either. Although, like, I would have liked to see what a Bothan was, finally. It's probably just a human form. Bothans died. I really loved the movie. I thought that movie pretty much started, other than the first, let's say, five, ten minutes, where we see Krennic meeting Galen Erso and with his wife and the kid hiding, you know, young Jen. After it got past that and you saw the little thing pop up real quick that said Rogue One, and then they kind of move forward in time. From that point on, that movie basically had its foot on the gas. It never really slowed down to a certain extent. I mean, it did a little bit here and there, but from my viewing of the movie, it pretty much had a nice, good, steady pace. I would okay. I would okay. I I can see where coming with a steady pace. I would say though, it's it wasn't like a lot of these Marvel movies or a lot of the Star Wars movies where, or a lot of just any movie nowadays where it's just like action, action, action. Uh Like it really where it's like bombarding you with action. I didn't really feel that with this movie. I felt like with this movie, the story was definitely chugging along but there was definitely time for dialogue and time uh-huh. for a little bit of exposition and maybe a little too much expedition exposition but you know it was definitely a different experience for this type of movie it, it's not like i've never seen a movie like this before but i haven't seen one like this for a big action movie in the past decade you know what i mean by that by big action movie i mean like we need to come up with a different term than nerd movie um <laughs> a franchise movie uh, that would work. I haven't seen one like this in a franchise movie in a very long time. Fury and Interstellar and movies like that, they're not franchise movies. I mean, I had high expectations in a certain sense going into the movie, knowing that it was set of stealing the plans for the Death Star leading into A New Hope and just being a Star Wars movie in general. But at the same time, I had this, okay, can they make it good enough to not seem boring or seem predictable in what they're going to do i mean some things were kind of somewhat a little bit predictable to a certain extent but it also wasn't predictable and the fact that they threw out some subtle easter eggs if you're really watching closely or if you'd watch anything of the original movies anytime recently then you picked up on them if you're just a casual fan you may not have picked up on them as much as let's say you and i might have Um, although i did miss one that i i kind of somewhat knew about going in and i completely forgot to even look for it and that was going into when the uh, alliance uh came out of hyperspace into the major big battle space battle going into third act there but uh i missed that 
has to do with tying in with the Star Wars Rebels yeah. uh, show. Yeah. They're supposed to have the ghost ship from that show up there, and it's it was supposed to be in one certain position, and you see it flying around here or there a little bit. I completely forgot to look for it, and... The- I'm I'm a little fuzzy on my... Um, I, I don't know that much about the Expanded Universe stuff. They're considering Star Wars Rebels like to do Clone Wars part, as actual part of canon of Star Wars along with the movies. But the other Easter eggs that were there were kind of fun to see. Did you notice that they titled but all the different planets they went to they mm-hmm. put a title yeah they i did going, notice that but one did you notice that i didn't uh which one did they not mustafar oh really? where we see vader the first time oh yeah it looked like mordor i mean i knew it was mustafar but it it, it looked like lord of the rings like L- mordor like it's got that weird tower that darth and, vader lives and, in and, over lava for what i was reading last <laughs> night after watching the movie they've kind of dubbed that vader's castle yeah and that's where he's made his personal residence at. That's pretty cool. Uh, something to do with, because he's conflicted, because that's where his entire, what do you want to call transformation. it? Transformation. Transformation, life, tragedy, all kind of was right there. So that reminds him as to why he is the way he is and keep him, I guess, motivated. I don't know if that's the right word, but I wish I could have seen a little bit more of what he looked like when they lowered the look. I, 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 li- I like it. I like but, it not knowing. I, I like some things to be kept in your imagination. and Well, they gave you a little bit, but it's so yeah. quick. I would like seeing just a touch a little bit more. I'm not saying a whole big scene with him trying to communicate within that damn thing. I'm just saying I wish I would have seen a little bit more before they, before they cut away with it. But, you know, that was a minor thing. And, and it was kind of neat just knowing that he had a place where he escaped everything. And then that scene where he comes out and talks to Krennic was pretty cool. So, And they actually used two different six foot seven guys in the suit. Oh, yeah for him you know james Earl Jones' voice it was great to hear vader he sounds old but but you can tell he's getting older yeah. he's not as young and his voice doesn't sound as even though i think they do a little messing with it in the computer you know to make it sound oh, like yeah. vader but you can definitely tell it, it's not sounding like it once was yeah maybe they could find somebody who come close and maybe sound more original but i don't know That's, i say keep him as long as he's able as to long as it. he's yeah yeah which brings us to something else okay go for it the cgi Peter Cushing, who okay. plays uh, Grand Marf Talkin. What'd you think of that? <sighs> Some I wasn't a fan. I thought it was weird. Like it, it looks great, but you could still tell it was not right. You know? Okay, it wasn't the most perfect thing in the world, in my opinion, or at least watching it. It, it was, creeped me out. I was willing to overlook it to a point to where I was okay with it for the movie for for what scenes he was in. I was willing to overlook it, letting that pass for right now, being the first time I watched it. Maybe that'll change if I watch it a second or third time. But at this point, I, I was kind of willing to let it go. There was also, you've heard what it's called. It's called the Uncanny Valley. When the closer something artificial, like a doll or a CGI model, gets to human, the like more off-putting it is for some people. Like mm-hmm. the more realistic it is, the more off-putting it is. Because okay. it's still not quite human. I'm affected by that pretty bad. So yeah, it was super realistic, but it was also totally wrong too <laughs> they actually had a ga- actor by the name of guy henry yes who did the initial lines and mm, wore the, but the suit, face was cgi but they only digitally did his face and hair obviously now some have said well you know it should have only been really seen targeting at the end of the movie taking over the the plans for the death star but they did that on revenge of the sith if you had only not seen tarkin until the end of rogue one you know a lot of people said well where's tarkin and all this testing and and pushing krennic to it brings up kind of a moral dilemma too 
Like, on, on the one hand, you know, of course, Peter Cushing's estate said it was okay. And I honestly believe Peter Cushing would have been fine with it because he was pretty cool about Star Wars and mm-hmm. stuff. But how many more dead actors are we going to bring back now with CGI? And it, it's kind of weird. It's also- like, can't we just have a new actor and give him makeup? Well, I was going to ask. I mean, like, we didn't make Don Cheadle CGI to look like Terrence Howard. True. And they have imaginations. Like, we can use them. And they've done it with, well, like, in the Bond franchise, we're replacing Bond all the time. Sure. Different M's that they've come up with. If you'd have seen someone like, say, uh, a different actor, and there's a couple actors, and there's one actually on my post that I did back in August 2015 on com that has been getting hit huge last week because of what we're just talking about. Nice. It came out in a UK article in August 2015, and I I said, you know, this is what they're thinking about, you know, digitally recreating Peter Cushing's character from A New Hope for Rogue One. And I just kind of did the basics, and then I did my thing. I was like, okay, this sounds all cool, but really, should they? Most people, and I think most people who are fans of Star Wars, I think would have been understanding of saying getting another actor who would resemble yeah. him, maybe make some touches in the hair or, or some prosthetic, sure, you yeah, know, definitely. To, to maybe change the facial features a little bit. But I think most people would have been okay with seeing a different actor in there without mm-hmm. having to do CGI. Now, I'm also kind of wondering, with the CGI technology the way we have, you think they could have made it look also better at the same time i think for right now like i mean it was really good i think for right now it was it's probably as good as it gets uh the problem is is i don't think it's ever going to look right Mm -hmm. there's always going to be something wrong with it there's always going to be just something a little bit off maybe like a slight movement or maybe just a little like less of a gleam i don't know but there's always going to be something that's just going to be a little bit weird. The Carrie Fisher one looked weird, too. And I guess they tried to... I was reading about it. I, it didn't bother me as much because it was a quick one. Um, but uh, I read about it, actually, because I figured when I saw it, I was like, oh, they de-aged her like they did with... Uh, Robert with Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Actually, that one looked... Pretty damn good. Pretty good. Uh, it still looks kind of weird but that one looked really good but they didn't de-age her and the reason why is because she's aged so much that Uh it was they tried to and it was just impossible so they had to have a different actress so they did the same thing with peter cushing right where they had a different actress and just plopped her face on so they couldn't de-age her that was so quick i I don't no one's really talking about that one as much as they are peter cushing's and the whole thing of bringing tarkin back i i think Really, what they did with his character, kind of like Vader, they had him in just enough to help move that story along with Krennic, but it wasn't so much that he he or Vader overtook. It the is movie. a tough thing because he is was such a good villain. Oh yeah, he was almost as good of a villain in that first movie as Darth Vader. Really, he was kind of more evil than Vader was. Well, and if you really think about it, I mean, there's only really two people in that entire empire that really could control Vader, and mm-hmm. Vader would would not question or argue, and that yeah. was the Emperor and Tarkin. Yep. I mean, those were on two that could sit there and they snap and Vader's like, certainly wasn't that little twerp from Dark Knight Rises. No, (laughs) no. And I like the fact that they actually restored Vader from being a kind of a whiny, complainy brat from the prequels back to being what everyone was used to seeing him, at least up through until you got to the end of Return of the Jedi. But even so, at the end of Return of the Jedi, it was a story arc that worked. So in the Return of the Jedi, he redeemed himself. And this is before the prequels. Yeah, never mind that he murdered 
he probably right. millions of he was a huge mass murderer. Right. But oh he gets his son back. back he right. apologizes before he dies. But at least they this is the last movie we see quote Vader in like that. At least they kinda made him back into being the villain we're used to seeing. I don't think it will be. I think there's plenty of opportunities to have well, see, Darth I was, Vader see, stories. I was also gonna ask you, you think down the road, let's say at sometime after episode nine, if they were to do, let's say a, just a Darth Vader movie standalone, set somewhere between five and ten years after Revenge of the Sith, but before Rogue One. I don't think they should do a Darth Vader movie. Cause or, or something of the Empire movie that would also feature him, but more so than what they did here. Sure, that'd be fine. As long as you still somehow make it a spinoff. Like, if he's got too much of focus, then it has to be a sequel. So you gotta kind of level that out a little bit. Okay. Like, it, it could just be a story where he's after some guy that stole something from him, fine. Okay, like, that works as a spinoff, but... Just curious, if something like that would work, I'm sure it would be seen, because, you know, Vader is, I his, think, is such uh, a popular his character. His scene when he, at the end, when he kills all those people, that was pretty intense. Oh, yeah. That was pretty crazy. And I really liked his first introduction when he's talking to Krennic, because he really made Krennic, you could see as Vader moved closer and closer, and all you saw was the back of Vader as Krennic is talking, and you can see in Krennic's face the kind of, like, cringing as he got closer kind of like oh, crap i'm feeling a little uncomfortable here and i like that they kind of made him menacing again and he had that make you feel very uncomfortable even though you're shooting him straight that was something always in the books that always kind of which the books give you more than what sometimes the movies do especially like within the i think it's the return of the jedi maybe the novelization of return of the jedi or even maybe even empire when admiral piet is there now in charge after the one general got killed at the beginning Empire because they can get inside more of the characters' heads than you can really the movies. They basically made his character out where he was always brutally honest with Vader, regardless of whether or not Vader wanted to hear it. That's how he approach vader because vader could sense if you were lying to him no and even though if vader didn't like the truth that you were telling him if he realized you you were telling the truth he wouldn't really do anything to you about it he wouldn't force choke you or or kill you just because he didn't like it he knew well he's obviously being honest with me so i'm not going to just kill you because you're being honest with me it's when you're trying to deceive vader that he didn't like that doesn't he kill admiral piet though no is he the one that lives at the end the like the last one no admiral piet actually dies in Return of the Jedi. Did you pick up when they're on the planet Jetta and they were looking for Saw Gerrera and the, uh, Jen Erso and the other character from the, the Cantina scene? Yeah. Actually, I didn't care for that. It was kind of neat. That's one of those things that all the fan service stuff sometimes kind of gets on my nerves. And it's not just Star Wars. Marvel does it. A lot of movies do it. And sometimes it's nice. And I used to like it a lot more, but now I'm tired of it because they've done it to death. Mm-hmm. This movie didn't bother me too much with it, but there was that. And then there was C- 3PO and R2-D2. Yeah. That one, really, the Cantina guys didn't bother me so much. It was kind of funny, but R2-D2 and C-3PO is that like, seemed, That oh, one seemed man. a little more forced It seemed to me. real forced. But that was kind of cool to see. Did I you- wouldn't have mind seeing just R2-D2, but C-3PO... I see. I was really expecting to see C three PO and R two D two, but give them a line. But I wasn't yeah. really expecting to see them until they showed the inside of the ship that goes into hyperspace. Yeah, at the very end. yeah. I, that's I, when I agree. Was, that was when I was expecting to see them, along with whatever they're going to do with Princess Leia. She got that would have been yeah. That would have been a you lot know? better. Because then um, you could have stuck him in the background without having to give him a word. I and did then, like. I did like that we got uh, Jimmy Smiths in there. Oh, it's Bail O'Grana. You know what that whole scene reminded me of? Remember the first hobbit movie where there's this scene where uh and they also make reference to obi-wan without actually saying Obi-Wan right too gandalf 
Soruman, Elwin, and what's his name? Agent Smith, like, and the girl elf, like, I think her name was Elwin, I don't remember. They all just have a meeting, and they're all talking about the necromancer or something. And this whole scene adds nothing but it's like hey it's all our favorite characters back in a room all it is is fan service this kind of reminded me of it where it's hey it's uh moss monma or whatever her name is and mon, mothma. mon mothma and hey it's jimmy smith's and, uh, and it's like <laughs> hey it's uh, it's supposed to be that old guy from the first one and it's like okay it kind of reminded me of uh that scene in the hobbit it's like this scene added a little more i guess but you didn't really need it i will say though i did really like seeing jimmy smith's in there because it was kind of nice to see leia's dad again like right before he dies yeah i'm going back to alderaan yeah i don't know if i'd go back there or not (laughs) what do you think about okay i have a little bit mixed feelings about this the uh death star destroying the first planet it destroyed i was fine with because it was like a a, a desolate planet basically it probably had like yeah that seemed to have like a small town of thieves they didn't really show if it really destroyed the planet or just caused problems for the rest of the planet in general because it wasn't necessarily a full blow to say blow it up they were just trying to destroy the city didn't you also think when they did it second time on the uh on the second planet which I got the name somewhere, but I don't have it in front of me. When they did that, and the two main characters who sent the transmission for the Death Star, and they're on the beach as all that stuff is coming. For some reason, I had a flashback of Deep Impact. Did you have that same? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, because the asteroid and the whole, the, all the water's coming, you know, and she's standing yeah. on the, Taylor Lennon's care staying on the, on the beach with her dad and everything, and this tidal wave is coming in. Yeah, okay, huge. kind of. And, and all they do is hug each other, and you see tears. Yeah. And, and they kinda, it was kind of that. Same, yeah. a little bit okay. of moment. It was a little different, but it's like, uh, this is a little bit too much deep impact for me. But that's a minor little thing. And if you hadn't ever seen deep impact, then you'd have no reference to it. It's kind of <laughs> weird that they destroyed one, their own base planet. That would make sense as the reason yeah. why you never saw or you had to do certain things. So as the reason why you never heard of anything of that in, no. in the original trilogy. So whatever it is they did, they had to make sure it couldn't be referenced or brought back. Right. Like, obviously, they knew that it could destroy a planet, but it sounds like those planets were like test planets, uh-huh. even though they weren't, apparently, but <laughs> they could more or less be considered test planets. Right. All the actors in this movie that were hired, only one was hired in their contract with a possible of a sequel, and that was Felicity Jones' character of Jen Erso. Oh, really? Uh-huh. But then again, there's also an interview out with uh, director Gareth Edwards. And in an interview, he discussed the development of Rogue One and how the conclusion of the movie changed over the course of, yeah. of making the movie. And he revealed that the original draft of the script, some of the heroes actually lived to fight another day. But after the different conversations with higher-ups and Lucasfilm and Disney, it all changed. Yeah. And the quote in here, and it's kind of a little bit of a long one, says, It's a great Disney tradition, isn't it? For every single character to die in all their movies, I think there was an early version, the very first version, that they didn't die in the screenplay. And it was just assumed by us that we couldn't do that. They're not going to let us do that. It means, in other words, he assumed he couldn't kill them all off. Disney wasn't going to let him do it. So we're trying to figure out how this ends where that doesn't happen. And then everyone read that, and they're like, they're just having this feeling like, they got to die, right? And everyone was like, yeah, can we? Then we thought we weren't going to be allowed to, but Kathleen Kennedy and everyone at Disney were like, yeah, makes sense. I guess they have to because they're not in A New Hope. And from that point on, we... 
had the license and I kept waiting for someone to, to go, can you just film an extra scene where we see Jen and Cassian, they're okay and they're on another planet, la la la, then never ever came and no one ever gave us that note that we got to do it. Nice. Yeah. So it, initially he thought he couldn't kill everyone off and then it's like, everyone's like, well, wait a minute, shouldn't they all be dying? What's interesting is um, with these spinoffs, we can have directors with more artistic license. That's something that, you know, the Marvel movies have kind of lost. At the beginning, they had a lot of, each director had a lot of artistic license and more and more they are trying to get them, with the exception of Guardians of the Galaxy, it seems. And yeah, who knows? I, I think it's because more... The but more and more they're starting to get a... Well, that and other reasons, but more and more they're they're starting to get a little bit more homogenized, which is fine. Is because they're they've gotten so big now in their storyline that they almost have to the focus becomes narrow and narrow until they get a new character like Doctor Strange. Maybe or maybe it's because they found a formula that works. I don't know. You know, we'll see what happens after Garden Guardians of the Galaxy too. If that movie's not a big success, um, it might get homogenized too. I hope not, because no one has ever cared about those characters before. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, I thought about it. I'll never read their comics. I don't want to. I'm sure the comics suck. <laughs> So I'm fine with just watching the movie as uh, as is as James Gunn's thing. I'm totally fine with watching it that way. And from the trailers of Guardians of the Galaxy, it looks too, great. It looks really good. It looks great. It does look really yeah. good. I can't see that movie being a failure. No, I mean I, I don't either. I, I, did you catch the other nods to uh, New Hope? Well, sure. There was the uh, that weird holographic chess game that was in there. Again. Well, I'm talking in the main space battle with all the X wings. Oh yeah, yeah. It had a uh, red leader and, and gold, gold leader. leader. And then the new blue leader. Yeah. Those guys didn't make it. No. That's why they're not in no. A New Hope. Well, all the ones that went into the planet never yeah. made it. But all the ones that stayed out, you assumed they had a half a chance of making it. But uh, they die in A New Hope anyways. Yeah. So. They actually, Gareth Ehrens actually was uh, rummaging around in Lucasfilm and found some old. Uh, I was about to ask because like, I was old, sure that was old, like, B-reel footage. Old, unused footage yeah. that no one had really ever gone through. That's great. And he came across this, and it's like, can we somehow use this? And they're like, I guess. I don't know. We, none of that stuff had been digitized or put into their system. The people at Lucasfilm actually took the negatives and then put them in and took just the characters out and then put them in their, That's what their awesome. look and with the voice. Of, so they had to be very careful where they cut their, their audio. You notice you heard Red 5 and Red Leader, so Luke became Red 5 in New Hope. I'm assuming that particular Red 5 got canned and yeah you know got killed he that. did yeah that was kind of cool that was actually really cool i that was actually probably the best i like that a lot better than any of the cgi stuff yeah and i was hoping maybe we see porkins again <laughs> that would have been so cool to see porkins, porkins. <laughs> i don't know for some reason porkins from star wars new hope seems to be my i like making jokes about him nowadays i don't know well why. he's the fat guy named <laughs> Porkins. And my favorite, uh, remember the family guy where Porkins, when he gets shot, he's like, Porkins, you're shot. I'm going down. And then the camera zooms out. And he's so huge. He's like outside of the cockpit. He just can't even fit in there. Yeah. It's nice to know that they actually, Peter Cushing's family signed off on it and they actually asked permission, which was a good thing. Yeah. He, I read a lot of interviews with him. He didn't give a damn about Star Wars, but he also was like pretty happy about it. He was positive about it. It wasn't like a movie that he'd ever want to watch, but he was happy that it made a lot of people happy. Like he always said positive things about it. Right. Where uh, Alec Guinness went crazy from it, which you can understand why. 
guy. Fans probably bothered him forever over freaking Obi Wan when yeah. he spent his whole life being a Shakespearean Type real actor. actor. Yeah, like, I almost got the sense he kind of regretted doing that after the fact. It depends. The thing about interviews is that's just a snapshot moment. Mm-hmm. If you actually look up his interviews, there's a few in interviews in between where he says some really good things about it. So it just, it, I'm sure it all depends on his mood. I don't know if he regretted it but i'm sure he regretted things about it I'm sure he regretted all the crazy fanboys that grew up to be in their 40s that were still bothering him about it mm-hmm. what do you think of those different looking walkers uh, i didn't notice them looking that different well they had those different colored panels on the sides oh yeah i guess so i didn't really notice and, and if you notice when those things were open you could actually see through them yeah okay those were actually at act walkers and, mm. and they had a reason they said they're a larger version of the standard combat at ats because these act walkers featured a dedicated cargo bed for transportation of heavy building materials or combat munitions because mm. a lot of fans were noticing in the uh in the when those trailers started coming out for rogue one well why do those walkers look so different from what we're used to seeing of why you could see through them on some of them. If you could watch the trailers, you can actually see through it. So that was their explanation. I'll have to look at that again. I really didn't notice. Something I kind of looked into, and, and it's not really surprising, but with going back to the beginning of A New Hope, each Star Wars movie has made more its opening weekend than the previous movie. Other than this movie with Force Awakens. Right now, The Force Awakens and Rogue One are... Is that true? I thought uh, Empire didn't do as well. Well, uh, have here... But in the opening On, on, their, on the original theatrical releases, not counting their adding on to the re-releases they've done, their original theatrical releases, Star Wars, the first Star Wars movie, opened in 77 to only $1.5 million. Empire had $4.9 million in its opening weekend. Return of the Jedi did $23 million on its opening weekend in 83 phantom menace did 64.8 million in 99 attack of the clones did 80 million episode 3 did 108 million in 2005 and then force awakens did that uncanny and ungodly 247.9 million in 2016 last year and then rogue one opened at only 155 million but it's now second as far as the highest opening weekend for a star wars movie yeah. but then again you have to remember inflation and more movie theaters playing back when people. star wars came out did the industry care as much about opening weekend as they do i don't do think now? they do nowadays i don't know why they I don't know why. I, what's, I, what's it's only silly been in life is, like the last 20, 30 years that anyone really cares about opening weekend. And what's silly is there are movies that do well after there's, opening weekend. Right. There's movies that start out slow, but they seem to be slow and steady. That's what's, well, that's what's wrong with the business is they have to have an opening weekend. And if it doesn't do well, then they quit advertising for it and just start advertising for the next weekend. And it's just, it's a really cynical business model. But I guess this is America, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, where would you rank Rogue One in all the previous seven Star Wars movies? I don't know if I could rank it. I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a different movie. It's a spinoff. Um, but if I were to rank it, I don't know. It would have to be in my top three at this point. It's definitely better than all the prequels. I think I liked it better than Force Awakens, honestly. I think this one had a better sto- overall story than Force Awakens. I mean, Force Awakens was Force good. Awakens had stuff that I liked better, but overall, I think... Force Awakens, I think, was made in such a way to re-energize the fan base to get you excited again about Star Wars to forget about the prequels. There was a good story in Force Awakens. I think Rogue One's story was was well. A bit the good better. story in Force Awakens was called A New Hope. 
I think I did like this one better than Force Awakens. I need to watch that one again. There were things in Force Awakens I really liked, and then there were a few things that I was just like, meh, about with it. Overall, I thought it was a really good movie. Yeah, I'd, I'd rank it around there. I don't, I'm still not sure what to do with Return of the Jedi, and I've never quite been sure to do what to do with that movie. Because it's got some pretty stupid stuff in it. Right now, if I was to rank it, I think Force, um, not Force Awakens, but uh, Rogue One would probably be sitting in my number three slot. Yeah, it probably is better than a lot of with Return of the Jedi. A lot of the stuff behind it is really just nostalgia. It's a good movie, but it's not that great of a movie. It's got some pretty dumb stuff in it. It's got some really cool stuff in it, like the speeder race is amazing. Oh, the the, the speeder chase, chase, I should yeah. say, and the uh, final battle with Luke and Darth Vader with the Emperor is really cool. Even though I kind of hate the how it, Darth Vader gets almost like neutered in that movie. Like, there's things about Return of the Jedi I don't. And of course, apparently Piet, Admiral Piet, but also uh, silly death of Boba Fett. It, Boba Fett's death in Return of the Jedi seemed a little not well thought out. I mean, I could see why you put him in there, but I mean, let him get shot by a blaster or cut down by Luke. I mean, something more Killed of a, by Han. Well, you know, shot by... I, you know, instead of instead of Han turning around, where click and then hit down into the Sarlacc pit. I mean, it seemed like a little bit of a meaningless death for a, a bounty hunter to a certain extent. Well, especially like a character that they spent years like promoting, and it's still loved and- by by hardcore fans i don't know there's a lot of things with return of the jedi like return of the jedi is it's a really good movie but if anything it's definitely an an ill omen of the prequels if you go back and watch it oh i can see this stuff bubbling already ewoks and stupid deaths and like bad dialogue the best is still always but why must you confront him? <laughs> like, my friend and I make fun of that line all the Why is Leia talking like a crappy Shakespeare in the Park actress now? But why must you confront him? Yeah. Shut up. Most of the critics love Rogue One. Yeah. There are a few out there who hate Rogue One. I wrote some of them down, but I don't think I'm really going to read them because some it's are not like... worth it. Yeah, because some are like, why are we still making these movies? And it's like, are you serious? But that's beside the point. This is basically our last podcast here. Yeah, take for, 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 20, for 2016. Yeah. Uh, and depending on when, hopefully I get this put out before... 2016 actually ends although it may be a day or two late but if i do i'm sorry 2017 has a massive amount of movies coming out as any year really anymore does kind of wrote down the list of movies that seemed intriguing sure uh, Ooh, that's quite a list yeah quite a list going from basically january all the way through december and the only month i don't have at least a movie written down for is uh august Otherwise, I got a movie written down for almost every month, some multiple movies in a month. I need to make it a point to see more non-franchise movies, too. Right. Well, I used to wait until they were on Netflix, and I I still never saw Wolf of Wall Street. It was on Hulu for like a year, and I was like, I'll watch it, and it's like, dang, now I just got to go to a video store and rent it. I saw The the Black Mass. That was a really good movie. That's that Whitey Bulger movie about, or the Johnny Depp movie about Whitey Bulger. Ah, okay. That's really good. What else? I want to see, hopefully I'll see it soon, Green Room. My wife has seen that. Yeah. She has she? Movie. Okay. Because it also has Anton Yelchin in it. Yes, it does, actually. Uh, that movie's supposed to be really violent. I heard they. it's not like gratuitously violent, like hostile. It's just like really 
it just shows violence and it's intense, but it's a good movie. I'm not going to go through every movie because not all these movies have trailers out for them, obviously, yet. But I was going to talk about two in particular, Spider-Man Homecoming and Mm -hmm. Blade Runner 2049. Mm -hmm. You've seen both those trailers. Yeah, I saw, well, there's two trailers for Spider-Man Homecoming. There's the American trailer and the much better international trailer. trailer. Yeah. Um, that movie looks really good. It reminds me a lot of the very first Spider-Man. Even the Vulture looks kind of like the Green Goblin. In fact, that's why the Vulture was never in any of those movies, because he's like basically the same thing as the Green Goblin, except not as good. But a lot of people will say that the Vulture is uh, Spider-Man's first supervillain. Okay. He came out in issue two. That's technically not true. The Chameleon was in issue one. I don't know if I've ever heard of the Chameleon. I mean, the Chameleon, I he's big enough that he's a supervillain, but in those early days, he was just like a, a spy is all he was and he was a master of disguise so he, he was a spy sort of like black widow a rush there were russian spies ah, but okay. um in later years he got bigger he never became big big but he's never been like a big super villain but he's always been a he's always been a big character in some ways but yeah the vulture who's played by michael keaton who looks amazing you, you see seen that one line where he's talking i will hurt you and I yeah will hurt you. i love that yeah that was such a great line you know what's great about michael keaton is when he was first um picked when i heard that he was picked for the villain my initial reaction was oh okay i guess he's the green goblin because he would have been i always said no one could do the green goblin like willem dafoe I'm wrong. Michael Keaton could do the Green Goblin maybe better than Willem Dafoe. He's like the only person. Michael Keaton can do crazy. Now, he's not quite as crazy as Willem Dafoe. No one is. But he's pretty darn crazy. And he also looks a little bit. He looks like exactly like Norman Osborn. Uh If you look at the comics, like one of these days, just look up some old comics with just Google search Norman Osborn, 60s Spider-Man or something. It's Michael Keaton. It's crazy. He looks just like him. So I'm pretty excited to see him in there i guess from the trailer it looks like we're gonna have shocker in there as well he's a minor villain i'm assuming you're not talking about the wsu no (laughs) no he's not a big villain like uh he's kind of i guess like the chameleon or he's kind of a second tier character he's not so much a super villain as he is henchman so to speak but he's a good one so who was he then in the trailer because i I need to go back and he's the black guy and he's only in the international one only in the international one and you'll see he's wearing gloves and he's wearing the shocker's yellow quilted suit not the mask in the comics he was a really cool character unlike all the super villains he really didn't give a damn about spider-man because all of them like green goblin dr octopus lizard venom sandman electro vulture all these guys they become obsessed with killing spider-man like immediately uh-huh. and like oh craven the hunter of course they all become obsessed with killing spider-man and shocker couldn't care less he's usually just robbing a bank and then he's like oh spider-man's here gotta get out of here and he'll escape he's one of the few that doesn't take him personally which is kind of fun i don't think they're gonna keep that trait for the movie i think for the movie he's just gonna be a henchman but um you know and that's cool to have like some of the second tier villains as henchmen they 
sort of did that with Amazing Spider-Man 2 with the Rhino, mm -hmm. but they screwed that up so bad. So they attempted it, but they failed at it. I don't know how true what I read was. One reason why Michael Keaton signed on to play the Vulture in this was because he liked what Marvel had to say and the way Marvel operated, takes care of their superhero movies and the way they do things. Yeah. That if it hadn't been for Marvel, he probably would have passed. Yeah. On the role. I, I believe that. I also read another article after filming had wrapped that he said he really liked Marvel's efficiency and the way they did things, obviously, and just how they operated. He respected how they did things to the point where he was not unhappy by taking the role. And I think he'd been trying to stay away from the superhero genre after obviously the two films of batman uh he wasn't like that thrilled about playing I mean, batman, batman and back then even yeah but this kind of helped take whatever bad taste he had of superhero movies out of his mouth a little bit and of course spider-man homecoming comes out july 7th of 2017 and they've already announced the release date for spider-man homecoming 2 which normally i'd be like really you haven't gotten the first one out but being that marvel is going to have about the same amount of hand in, in that one as they do the first homecoming no i'm not really too worried about it are they going to call it homecoming 2 well right like now they... that's just the the temporary title i'm okay. sure it'll get changed but it's scheduled now for july 5th of 2019 i'm fine with that i mean that's fine the other one is blade runner mm -hmm. with brian gosling and harrison ford now they just released a teaser trailer here recently for this i watched that trailer and i haven't seen the first blade runner in years i need to go back and rewatch it but that teaser trailer really reminded me a little bit of the first maybe not necessarily the first but the second teaser trailer one of those two of the force awakens oh really it's kind of kind of well, 30 years playing, later and, and ryan gosling starts playing on piano the actual theme song to blade runner you know it's 30 years later you're hearing harrison ford voiceover instead of mark hamill and they're looking for someone who's been missing for 30 years it, it just kind of had that huh maybe it's just a minor coincidence i don't know but it just you know i don't know and the trailer were... looked good i will say uh but i don't know like blade runner is honest to god a niche like, thing really. well it's it really is probably the best science fiction movie ever made it's one of the best movies ever made it didn't need a sequel i don't know if it should have a sequel well the um, fact that you even got harrison ford to come back is i say it's a plus for it to a certain extent well i came back for indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull well he's also coming back for a fifth one although he likes that one so and actually you know what reviewers like that movie too critics like that movie. well if you look at the uh rotten tomato score on on crystal call it's not that bad no uh well the the older people liked it like uh -huh. the older critics at the time really liked it. It did extremely well at the box office. I mean, that's it's, a movie I need to watch. I think it's just so many people had such high expectations after the first three that yeah. they felt let down from what they got, and it didn't necessarily meet their expectations that they went in with. Yeah, this movie. Something that's weird about the trailer. I kind of get the feeling there's always been that controversy. Well, not so much a controversy, but it was always left unknown. It's, is he an actual? Is he human or is, is he, he an actual replicant? Replicant. See, and then in the trailer, it's like, it almost sounds like, oh yeah, he's a replicant. It's kind of what I got I, from I, it. I think a lot of people, are, or at least I, a lot of people get an impression that they're going to hopefully finally I'd rather they don't reveal, reveal it. it. What's wrong with making up your own judgment on it? Yeah. I don't get that. We don't have answers for everything in the universe. Why do we have to have a definite uh -huh. answer for a movie? And it sounds like that uh, Harrison's Ford character of Deckard doesn't really come into play till the 
end of the second act. So it's going to be more and, like, like and, and all the way through the third. It's going to be more. Act. It sounds like it's going to be more like Tron Legacy almost. This new, at least Ryan Gosling's a good actor. Like the guy they had for Tron Legacy was kind of a nobody. And it's not being directed by Ridley Scott. It's being directed by a, a guy named um, Dennis Villeneuve. Ridley Scott was involved in the process of the story, and I think one of the executive producers behind the movie. So he has his hand in it. So it's not just some other guy's creation. Now, this 2049 is interesting because it was written by the guy. Yeah. The guy who scripted Blade Runner 2049 also uh, wrote the script for Logan. He also wrote Ridley Scott's Alien Covenant. Well, we'll see. I'm really excited about Logan, but here's the thing about Logan. That trailer was amazing, but here's the thing. Due to X-Men's track record, good trailer or not, that movie could be a pile of crap. Right. Or it could be the greatest movie ever. Right. Like, we don't know. It, we really don't know. I hope it's amazing. You're hoping for... Um... Well, it's going to be closure no matter what, but... Yeah. I hope it's amazing, and as great as the trailer is, and the trailer, that is like one of the best trailers I've ever seen. As great as the trailer is, yeah, I still don't know. It could be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of fun, whereas, like, you see a Marvel movie and you're like, it's going to be awesome. You know it is. Just a couple of dates here. Like, February 10th, you have the Lego Batman movie and John Wick 2 coming out on the same weekend. You have, on June 9th, you have The Mummy and World War Z 2 coming out on the same weekend. You know, you got several movies. Obviously, in December, Star Wars Episode 8 comes out. There are quite a few movies coming out. Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. Sometime, November right? 3rd. Justice League comes out on November 17th. Blade Runner coming out October 6th. Uh, War for the Planet Apes, June 14th. I mean, you just got a lot of movies coming out. Transformers, The Last Night, comes out in June as well of 2017. So there's just a lot of movies coming out. And you just wonder, obviously, you know, someone like you and I can't get to the movies all the time. And even if we wanted to see all these movies, I mean, that's quite a chunk of change to get yeah, to. Yeah, especially since um, you know, I'm partial to the uh, Warren 21, <laughs> which is a theater that you're 21 to enter. There's a bar next door you can go out and get. And it's a good bar. Like, they have really good craft beer. They have got good uh, whiskey and mm-hmm. wine. And, and everyone's really quiet. You have very comfortable seats that recline and heat. It's fantastic. And everyone's quiet. There's no wooten hollering going on that's cool gonna move on to our last two items here in this podcast 2016 ending and 2017 beginning i'm gonna do a few minor changes upgrades i don't know how you want to call it with my podcast first one is and you've been on this podcast enough times to where you're you are definitely the most returning guest i've had okay i am taking a risk by doing this on the podcast even though it's technically not live yes i I will marry you (laughs) no i was gonna ask if you would be willing to come on as a permanent co-host sure if you'd be willing to do that because i'm also got uh, someone lined up very nice lady who for where i work at who does some voiceover for commercial stuff who's agreed to to give me once i get it all written up to record an intro and outro for the podcast for me to add into so i didn't want to start having her record the stuff for me until i knew if you'd be willing to do so absolutely so some minor changes it's told me called rachel take podcast congratulations i guess oh my god (laughs) this is oh my god i'm just the bell of the ball and i figured you know you've been on this show enough times why not i mean i can't keep calling you a guest forever because you would go back far enough although it is funny yeah like it does make for a good recurring joke Joke. yeah like kind of like kimmel sorry matt damon ran out of time got it i'm gonna end this podcast on a final note before i do that 
you have any last thing you want to talk about here? Yeah, actually, we missed a couple things. Okay. With, uh, Rogue One. We didn't really talk about any of the characters, which, uh, oh my gosh, the um, that Chinese actor, the, the oh. blind guy. Yeah. Uh, He's apparently a really famous actor in Chinese cinema. Donnie Yen. Yeah. He was good. Oh, yeah. I almost wonder if he was kind of Force-sensitive. To- maybe. I mean, maybe, or maybe it was just... Uh, blind luck but um you know <laughs> i never thought about that way you know it's it's hard to say because you know at the beginning you see a blind guy walking around like the soldiers are gonna not take him seriously maybe he did have something with the force i don't know but i liked again i like the idea that he we don't know i like that idea yeah. it's like well it's up to your own interpretation and he was cool and he was really funny and i really liked him and i liked i guess the other guy was his brother is that correct i'm not sure if it was his brother or not there was so, there was a very heavy relationship between them. The brother, possibly lovers, who knows? It could be the <laughs> well. I mean, seriously, it could be the first. They don't say. Did you? Do like, they say if they were? They I, didn't. I, I don't remember. I, I kind it, of assumed. Anyway, but, uh, did you like K two S O the droid? Yeah, I did. Do you know who did his uh, voice? Alan Tudyk. And you know who that is? He I've seen was, him around before. He was on Firefly. Uh, okay. He was the blonde guy, the pilot on Firefly. He dies on the movie. That was like a thing that Joss Whedon was obsessed with, was killing off characters, fan favorite characters. It's kind of, and that kind of started something. Now every show does that. But, um, so that's him. And I thought he was hilarious. And when he dies, it's kind of hard. When they, same with the others, but when he dies, he's the first to die. It's kind of heart wrenching to see this. Yeah. This foul-mouthed robot get shot to death. I loved that robot because instead of being like the prim and proper like C-3PO, he was a complete douchebag who was mean to everybody. And it's really funny. That's how you do a comic relief. Uh Not Jar Jar. Right. It's going on 20 freaking years. Like, maybe we should just let Jar Jar go. He hasn't been back since. Jesus. Let it go. Maybe they could release another... Uh, special edition Blu-ray for Return of the Jedi instead of Vader throwing Emperor over into the core of the second Death maybe, Star. It'd be Jar Jar. Maybe we'll get a Jar Jar movie finally. Oh God. It'd be the first bomb Star Wars ever put out. Oh, I guarantee God. you that movie would still sell three <laughs> three million would make thirty million dollars on its opening weekend. I guarantee you. Wow. 30 million is not very much. I don't no. know. What is it? 100 million? That's a lot now. Uh, anymore. It's like 100 million opening weekend is considered usually the benchmark. I guarantee you they would make a Jar Jar movie. It would still make it'd still make about 200 million on its opening weekend. Guarantee you. Well, there's also a rumors that I uh, suppose Cause people want to hate them and it's Star Wars. So people are like, must see Star Wars. Yeah. There's rumors going around that um, we could be seeing Obi-Wan Kenobi as a Force ghost See, in Episode 8 and 9. Oh, I, uh, we've got a perfectly viable actor to play him. Don't, do not, for the no, love of God, well, do the, CGI Alec Guinness. Because no, well, his real ghost will come back, haunt the shit out of the, Disney. From what I've read and from what I saw, if true, if this is true, that you would see initially a Force ghost of Alex Guinness from Luke's point of view. But then the rest of the time, every time you saw the Force ghost of Obi-Wan, it'd be through Ray's point of view because she's never met him. So then it'd be the version we're used to seeing with Ewan McGregor. If true. If it were B-roll footage of Alec Guinness, fine. If I'd... they CGI him, like it's one thing to CGI Peter Cushing because he was no- a normal mm-hmm. human being, but Alec Guinness really was pissed off at Star Wars. His real ghost would come back. Now, they never said that, that Alec Guinness talk. 
they didn't say they had force ghosts. It'd just be a quick. You saw it from Luke's point of view, and then the rest of the time you'd see it from Does Ray's this, point of view. I mean, is this stuff really that important? I, though? I don't know. I like, don't know. I mean, can't we just have an Ewan McGregor ghost and Luke sees that too? Like, I, 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 I don't know. But like, they're just that's, movies. That's what I've. Yeah. Or now, how true it is, I don't know. At this point, I'm I would, taking it with a grain of salt. By the way, I would love... I know it's cool to distance ourselves from the prequels, but there's good stuff in the prequels. I would love to see Ewan McGregor come back. He was really good as Ewan McGregor's been an advocate of wanting to get a standalone movie for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And part of this rumor that also goes along with him being a Force Ghost is the reason why, supposedly, Lucasfilm has not announced anything of a standalone movie. Obi-Wan Kenobi movie is because they're wanting to use him in 8 and 9 and so before they go making a standalone Obi-Wan Kenobi which would be set between obviously Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope is they want to do these two movies first so that anything that is said or anything that is done can then still won't be contradicted later on in the standalone or, or vice versa right and to me if they use him as a force ghost in 8-9 let's say with Luke and Rey if it's in very small doses and just for what you need sure and, sure, and it's sure. not yeah. really that big of a deal like one scene for like a minute yeah I'm fine with it yeah I, I don't, don't turn him into a I, I don't, character I don't care anything, but... you know it, it'd be a cool thing to see yeah but I, I don't know. It's just however they want to do it. And there's also rumors that possibly they, they could even do a trilogy with, with the Obi-Wan character set between because it was his adventures on Tatooine. I don't know how true some of this stuff is just from what I've read on it. You know, I'm okay with one standalone movie, but I think of all these standalone movies, if there's any one of these standalone movies that are coming out that may have a chance to do more than one, I would say would be the Han Solo stuff. Just because you could set it within a small contained amount yeah. of time in between before he, he got to A New Hope without messing up anything else. So I'd rather the standalone movies be, be like one and done. one where it, it's like about new characters mm-hmm. in the universe that mm-hmm. we'll never see them again after this movie. But, you know, we don't need to... I, I don't know. If they're good, they're good or whatever. Who cares? I don't know. I mean, and something my wife brought up, which I never really thought about, and her and I got the discussion on this after we saw Rogue One, was being with the Han Solo movie being the next standalone movie that movie is going to have really more to prove than the rogue one movie does because not only does the han solo movie not only does it have to be extremely really good but that actor is going to have so much pressure on him to not only quote capture the essence of han solo but bring something to it himself where it doesn't look like it's just an imitation of what harrison ford did at the no. same time And that is going to be such a fine line of defining whether or not that movie is good or not good. That's really going to be, I think, Lucas's film first really big test with these standalone movies because you're going to have so much writing on everything in that movie. Because you are bringing back such an iconic character that has been played by such an iconic actor and you're putting it back at the beginning kind of where him and Lando are together, the Millennium Falcon, possibly seeing maybe a little Boba Fett in there as well. So you got all these things that are going to be such so huge, but it's going to be so much pressure as well. Yeah. And I think that's really the, the big standalone movie that that's really going to be their big test. I think they went with Rogue One because they knew all new characters, even though we know where the movie's going to end at, but there wasn't as much pressure there with those characters. Just my opinion. The way I see it. Maybe I'm wrong. Now I want to watch some Star Wars. Well, I watch the... that's the good thing about Blu-ray and DVD and yeah. all that other good stuff. You can go home and throw in a new hope. Yep. I'd probably go see Rogue One again. Oh, yeah. I'll probably I, go see I probably it a second will time too. in the theaters. Yeah. I still need to see Doctor Strange a second time. Yeah, I, I didn't get around to seeing that a second time. I probably should have, but I haven't. 
It's still in theaters, and I, I think that's the one I'm going to do next, and then I'm going to do Star Wars again. Anything else? Well, I think that does it. I just want to say Happy New Year, everyone. That's cool. Well, I got a final thought, final note here. Final so, thought? Who fi- are you, Jerry Springer? I don't know. It's a final note here. It's something I don't normally do, and I ain't going to be <laughs> <Final> doing <laughs> whatever. Yes. Don't sleep with your cousin's brother's sister. Final thought. I know that sometimes twins make out, but you shouldn't. <laughs> Something I don't normally do, something I thought I'd do, being the last one for 2016. I hope this meets with your approval, though, by the way. Just putting it out there. You you may figure out why pretty quickly here. On a final note here, we here at Reggie's Take want to take a final moment to dedicate this podcast to one of man's best friends. James, my co-host and longtime friend and guest here at Reggie's Take, lost his longtime friend Sam, his companion of almost 17 years over the Thanksgiving weekend. Sam came into James's world when he was a sophomore in high school and was the first dog he ever owned. It's never easy when one loses one of your furry friends or companions. They're not just a pet, but also a companion and a friend who are happy to follow you wherever you go and no matter how long we're gone, always greet us at the door with a wagging their tail. In the end, they become more than just a pet. They become part of your family and like any family member who passes away are not easily forgotten. With 2016 now in our rearview mirror and 2017 in front of us, make sure you take the time and be thankful for those friends and family around you. Life on Earth is short and not always guaranteed. We here at Registake.com look forward to bringing you more podcasts as we move into 2017. 2017. We thank you for listening and we'll talk at you later.